And you can have a seat. What's your answer is the question that we've been thinking through in this series that uh, is by that name. And we've been thinking about times when God sort of lays things in front of us because of our giftedness, experience, or education. All those things may guide us to something that needs to be done. And we have to say, okay, am I going to do it or not? And maybe there have been times when you've just wanted to say, no. And that's exactly what Jonah said. Jonah said no. He was told to go one direction. He said, I don't want to do it, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And you remember the story ends up in the sea, ends up in the belly of a, a fish, and then ends up being called by God again to do that work. Now, as we think that through and our answer to the question, I want us to come to the, the last message in this series and think first about what's important to us. You know, if we're in conversation with someone, it usually doesn't take long before we begin to find out what really is important to that person. They're going to tell us because they're going to talk about the things that are important. Maybe they're going to talk about their kids or their grandkids or their work or something they do around the house or their, their spouse, their friends, their church, maybe something that really matters to them. But if we could look a little deeper there are things that would tell us what matters. I mean, when we look at someone's calendar, it says, these are the things that were so important that I said, yes, I'm gonna spend my time doing this. Or if we could look at someone's bank statements, we would see all the things that they said, yes, I'm gonna spend my money on this, or I'm gonna save my money for this. Or if we looked at their internet search history, we could th see the things that mattered enough for them to spend time researching, finding information about that one thing, that activity. All those things tell us what's important, what matters. And if we looked at those things in our own lives, let's say you looked at your calendar and maybe your online bank statement or, or what you looked for online this week, what did you say yes to? What did you say was, was important enough for you to spend your time or your money or your brain power to pursue? What did you say yes to? And, and what were the criteria for saying yes? Why did you say yes to those things and, and no to some other things? Because there were other opportunities, things you could have done with your time, ways to spend your money. And yet you chose a certain group of things. Why is that? And, and were they the right things? Well. As we finish the series up, I'd like us, to, like us to think about that and turn back to the story of Jonah and let's learn again maybe some positive and a good bit of negative from the way that Jonah handled the situation he found himself in. Last week we left the story off. Uh, Jonah had been called to go to Nineveh and preach. He went the opposite direction, ended up in a storm, in the sea, in the belly of a fish. Finally, God said, go to Nineveh. And this time Jonah said, you know what, I think it might be wise to do it. And so he did. And he went and preached to the people of Nineveh. And before long, they did some surprising things. They believed God. They repented of their sins. And then God did something even more surprising. He relented. He decided not to destroy them. Now, here's one of the things about Jonah. It's, it's told in a really good way. The storyteller knows what he or she was doing, okay? And so... We've, we've sort of left out some information. I've told the story as if we were reading it for the first time, okay? 
We're reading it as though we don't know the end of the story. And sometimes that's hard to do with biblical stories because we've heard them so many times before. But as we think about this story, we find out some information in chapter 4 that really tell us about all of Jonah's interaction in the rest of the story. So let's hear the way the storyteller tells it as we come into chapter 4. And the people of Nineveh have just repented and God has relented. Verse 1, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Now, the language behind that is that Jonah thought it was morally wrong for God to have done what he did. It was immoral for God to fail to punish the people of Nineveh, unjust for God to do that. It just reminds us of how bold Jonah is to look at something that God has done and say, that is immoral. It is completely wrong. I can't imagine saying that to God, but that's exactly what's going on here. So Jonah tells God that he's done something wrong, and then he gets mad about it. He becomes angry about this. Now, Jonah's been angry in the story before, and it usually leads to bad consequences, and it does here as well. So, verse 2. Jonah prayed to Yahweh. Isn't this what I said, Yahweh, when I was still at home? And now we're getting into the information we didn't have at the beginning of the story. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Yahweh, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah says, you know what? Way back at the beginning of this story, God, when you first called me to go to Nineveh, the reason I didn't want to go was because I knew the kind of God you are. And you're the kind of God that when people repent of their sins, you forgive them. And I knew if I went to Nineveh and preached about who you are, those people just might repent and then you wouldn't destroy them. That's why I didn't want to go to begin with. And here I was right. You're just the kind of God that forgives people. Now, what's interesting is the language that Jonah uses here is very, very similar to the language that's used elsewhere in the Old Testament to describe the way that God interacted with his people the people of Israel, slow to anger, relenting, giving them another chance. And for Jonah, that was all okay as long as it's Israel. But now God's treating their enemy, the people of Assyria, specifically the city of Nineveh, the same way. And Jonah doesn't like it. In fact, he thinks it's wrong. And it makes him so mad he would rather die than see this people survive. And so we read in verse 4 a question that God asked Jonah. In fact, there's two questions that show up in Jonah chapter 4, and they really point to what matters in the story. They tell the story. So verse 4, But Yahweh replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Now I think God knew and Jonah knew what God's answer was to that question. But Jonah didn't want to deal with the question. And so here's Jonah who's just accused God of being immoral, who is challenged by God, 
He just mouthed off about God. God challenges him with a question. And Jonah just ignores it. He, he just walks away. He doesn't want to deal with it because he knows what God is saying. He knows that the answer is, it is not okay for you to be angry about this. But he doesn't want to say that. So he just walks away from God. In fact, that's one more time, right? If God calls me and I don't want to do what he's asked me to do, I'll sail away. If God asks me a question I don't want to answer, I'll walk away. And so he does. And he walked out of the city of Nineveh, and he in fact walks all the way through the city of Nineveh to the far side, to the east of the city, sits down, he's built this shelter, sits down and just sort of watches. It's as if Jonah is hoping God's going to change his mind one more time. Or maybe the people of Nineveh will do something stupid and get themselves in trouble again. And he can sit here and be an eyewitness of God raining fire down on them to destroy them. He's just hoping something good's going to happen. Well, something does happen. You know, in the story of Jonah, the language is that God appoints some things. He appointed a wind after Jonah sailed in the opposite direction that brought this storm that nearly destroyed the ship. God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 4, God appoints some more things and tries to come at Jonah from a different direction. This is the way the storyteller tells us how it laid out. Then Yahweh God provided a leafy plant, okay? The scholars think this may be a castor oil plant because apparently it has large leaves. I've never seen one. I've certainly not tasted one because I'll pass on that, but that may be what it is. And it made it, he made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Now Jonah is not happy very often in this story. In fact, I don't think he's happy anywhere else in the story, but right here, because he's got some comfort, because he feels a little better, he's happy. So God has provided this plant, appointed this plant, but at dawn the next day, God appointed or provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed, provided, a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. When Jonah is unhappy, man, he gets mad and he is ready to end it all every time. He never seems to learn his lesson there. But God has given him this shade, and, and for once in the story, he's comfortable. But when God disrupts his comfort... For Jonah, that means life is not worth living. Jonah is always focused on Jonah. So then God asks one more question. And it's phrased almost exactly like the first question. The question, verse 4, was, is it right for you to be angry? The question in verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? You're so mad about this plant, Jonah. Is it really right for you to be this upset about a plant? This time, Jonah doesn't back down. He may or may not know what God's answer was, was what God wanted him to say, but he's not backing down. It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. 
Because this plant, <clears throat> plant died, it is not worth living. Jonah's ready to give it all up. And then God drives his point home. He's done all this, appointed the plant, appointed the worm, appointed the wind, just so he could say this to Jonah. Verse 10, but Yahweh said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Jonah, you didn't, you didn't plant this thing. You didn't, you didn't buy the seed. You didn't plant it, tend it, water it, nothing. But because it brought you comfort, you're so worried about the plant. And if you're looking down at this city, there are 120,000 people. And you don't care a lick about any one of them. And God is saying, I brought them into being. I created them. I formed them and I love them. They matter to me, even if they don't matter to you. But they should. And yes, they're not the people of Israel. In fact, they've been violent toward the people of Israel, but I still love them because I brought them into being. And now they have repented, and I want to care for them. Should you really be angry about that? And that's the end of the story. We don't really know anything more about Jonah, what happened to him, whether he went back to Israel, stayed there. We, we just don't know anything. But what we know is that God was trying to teach him and through his story, the people of Israel and us, a lesson. And I think we can still draw an important lesson from it. And it's just to say yes to what matters to God. For, for this story... That plant didn't really matter. God was using that. What mattered was 120,000 people that God wanted to save. And Jonah missed all that. And this story was calling the people of Israel to care about them, and it is calling us to care about the people who surround us because they matter to God. So how do we apply that to our lives? If if the lesson is to say yes to what matters to God, especially on this Say Yes Sunday, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I think that means, first of all, we've got to look at what matters to God, right? If we're looking in our lives and we're seeing that God has placed us in a position where, where we're gifted to handle something, we have the experience, the knowledge, we're in the place that we can do it, and it clearly matters to God, we need to listen we need to pay attention when we see those things going on in our lives. So we've got to be aware of what God is showing us. And then we've got to make a decision. What's your answer? Are you going to run away like Jonah? Or are you going to say yes? You know, today is Say Yes Sunday, and we have displays set up over in the Fellowship Hall, and I hope that you'll take a few minutes after this service just to go and check those out. Again, find out more about what's going on in the life of our church, but also see how you can say yes. But let me say a couple things about that. First of all, you know, 
service doesn't have to be just in the community. We can, I mean, in the church, we can serve God in the community as well, right? Uh, our service to God is not limited to this building or even the ministries of this church. So I encourage you to say yes to this, but there may be things in your community, in this community, in your family that you need to say yes to as well. And that's awesome. But about our Say Yes Sunday as a church, it certainly is in part about the roles that need to be filled in the life of our church. It takes a lot of people just to have Sunday morning worship. From the people who lead worship, to the people in the booth, to people greeting, people watching our kids and teaching them and helping them learn who Jesus is. All those things take a lot of volunteers every single Sunday, and that's just Sunday morning. There's a lot of other things that go on. And certainly we need people to come and come alongside those who are already involved in those ministries. And you'll see people in the fellowship hall that are passionate about their area of ministry because they're really devoted to that. So that's part of what we're doing. But that's not all. Okay. When we're saying yes, we're not just saying yes to filling a hole that's left in ministry. It's much more than that. When we say yes to what's important to God in the church or in the community, but, but if it were today, what we're saying yes to is God himself. Because we certainly learn, we grow in our relationship with God when we open his word and we read it personally, when we share in a lesson in a room like this, or we gather in smaller groups and talk about God's word. We grow because we do that, and we need to continue to do that, but we grow in a different way when we serve when we do something for God, because we see how God may be working through us, how God strengthens us, how God makes an impact through us, all that of that leads us to a deeper relationship with God. So saying yes means you're going to know God better. And saying yes is a yes to connections with other people. Because again, there's a there's a fellowship, there's a unity with other Christians when we gather for worship or gather for study, and we need to do those things, but there is another unity at a different level when we serve together. My guess is that some of you who have been involved in serving in the church, some of your closest friends in the church, the connections that you have are with people that you've served with because you've created memories, you've done things that matter together, you reflect on that. When we say yes to serving in the church, we're saying yes to connecting ourselves with other people. And we need that connection with God, and we need that connection with others. And when we say yes, we're expanding the ministry of the church. I mean, we want to do more to connect people to Jesus, people who don't know him. And I believe we're here today because we want to know God and because we love this church. And we want to expand what we're doing so that God does more in the life of this church than he's done before. So when we say yes to what matters to God, all those things are in play. So after the service, take a few minutes. Think about what can I say yes to? How can I do something that matters by saying yes to, to what matters to God? Let's pray together. God, make it clear to us what you want us to do. You speak in a lot of different ways, and sometimes it's subtly, and sometimes it's more powerful. But God, we want to do what matters to you. And so guide us to do that, and give us the strength to do it well. And God, we pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.